0: If there's an art to conversation, then call us Picasso, because we're back with another deep chat on a key topic marketing leaders need to know on CMO Combo. Your website might just be your most important piece of digital marketing, and yet we've all seen them, sites that are hard to navigate, vague about what they do, and just generally unhelpful. Maybe deep in your heart of hearts, you know your website might fall into that category. That's why we're joined by Ari Scherzak, chief strategist and CEO at design firm, Cyclophia. To break down the five questions every website needs to answer, and what you can do to make sure yours has the right responses, stay tuned if you're ready to take a good, hard look at your website and its functions. Hi, Ari. Welcome to CMO Convo. How are you doing today?
1: Hey, well, I am good. Thank you for having me today.
0: Well, thank you for joining us. Um, it's a topic that is very important. I mean, the website is at the very heart of many many businesses these days in fact probably the majority of businesses which makes it extremely important which is why I'm very glad to have an expert like yourself to talk about this today because I know it's important but I don't know the specifics of why it's important I'm sure there's many people on our audience yeah. as well who are in the same boat um, before we do start digging into the nitty-gritty of website design let's introduce you to the audience like tell us a bit about yourself Ari and why you want to talk about this topic in particular today
1: yeah, sure thing. Thank you, Well, Hi, everybody. My name is Arik Shurczak. I am the CEO and head of strategy at Sika We are a creative and web agency based out of Evanston, and that is in Chicago, United States. Oftentimes, we work with women-led brands, those who are in technology, tech, and direct-to-consumer and on all things web-related. So be it, you know, marketing website or e-commerce or even web application. All of those is the type of things we work on through the strategy, the brand pieces, user experience, design, and also development implementation. So that's a little bit about us.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So let's let's start at the top, Ari. I'm sure we're preaching to the converted here, but let's talk about why is it so important to have a good website, a well-designed website mm. in this day and age? Like it feels like It should be just the norm, but there are some terrible websites still out there. So let's talk about why it's so important to have a great website.
1: It's an interesting question in terms of like, okay, why is it important? I felt like if you run a business, you should be looking at where do you truly connect with your audience, right? And for some businesses, they feel like, oh, I have a business now. I just need a website. But does that really serve you well, though? I felt a lot of the time people overlook that the role of website is really to you know become a bridge for you and your target audience to help them understand what it is that you do right and how can they really connect with you maybe you know purchase from you or even you know, work alongside with you in the future so i would ask it back to all of the business owners and you know cmo's out there what's the business purpose And then what is your website's purpose in your marketing system? Does it have a place in it? If it doesn't, then why bother creating a website, right? Since you have to invest in it, and then you also have to maintain it, and you have to nurture it as well. If it doesn't fit within your marketing system or plan, then you might as well not need it. So I, I'm not one of those people who are trying to convey people, yes, you need a website, right? It depends if you feel like your business truly needs a way to connect with your audience online, that it could be one way to do that.
0: Of course, yeah, because there are plenty of businesses that run entirely on social media platforms mm-hmm. these days. Um, but I think when it comes to a website, though, it's it adds a lot of trust to be able to Google Google a company and have a nice website come up and it look official and i think that applies whether it's b2b or b2c like i think it whether it, it doesn't matter what type of customers you're speaking to the first thing they'll do when they hear about you usually is google it and see if you've got a website like before yeah. they look for you on social media before they look for you on any other platforms you might be using digitally the website's usually the first place people go right
1: yes and actually i have a story about this so <laughs> i was born and raised in Bali, indonesia and this year, we finally got a chance to see my family in Bali, right? And then experience, you know, um, I guess the downtime, I guess, in the summer in Bali. What I noticed from the businesses in Indonesia and mostly also in Southeast Asia, they don't even have a website. Like you mentioned earlier, some businesses, especially in Southeast Asia, they rely so much on social media, especially, you know, WhatsApp and then Instagram, Those are huge for them. They don't need a website simply because people connect through social media and directly to WhatsApp. So think about it this way, right? If you live in a specific region of the world where businesses primarily thrive on social media and then connect that way with your audience, then do so. But if you live in an area like you know, here in the US and also in Europe, we realize so much in terms of like searching on Google, right? And then find out more information on the website. So really look at like who are your target audience? Like where do they go and how do they find out about you? And what is that best place to connect with them? So I think I probably cut you off on some of these, but I'm going to pass it back to you, Will.
0: <laughs> no, that's a great point, Ari. Great point. Exactly. Um, I think region and like, positioning on the globe has a big effect on how people how people operate in terms of uh, uh their digital footprint and stuff like that so that's a, it's a really good point but to for the the audience that are listening for tips on website design what can happen if you don't have a good website let's let's think about it this way like what can happen if you do have a website and it's poorly designed or something like that or if you have a website that's maybe Maybe a little outdated, like it might function okay, but in terms of like the way it looks, the way it presents information, it might be based on some older templates that were popular back in like the 2000s, but don't really fit into current web design standards.
1: Good question. Oh, I hate it when I have to experience this, to be honest with you, because there are just so many potential, right? So many potential that we can do with um, the website. And oftentimes when I go to any new website and I happen to see a website that you know, feels really old, whether it's templated or maybe it's just because it's so clunky, loads so slow. This makes me feel like, hmm, are they taking their business seriously? Right? Are they not prepared for, you know, many of the user coming into their website and interacting with them? Is this the best representation of their business? So there's a lot of things that goes in your mind and eventually it comes down to the trust, right? I mean, do you really trust this type of business? So Looking at statistics, to be honest with you, 88% of online consumers are less likely to return to any site or any website or maybe even on mobile after a bad experience. And that's like category, categorizing it very generally because bad experience could mean a lot of different things. It could mean something doesn't load properly. It could be you know, the picture looks super pixelated, or even there's multiple pop-ups just coming at you all the time. It's like, there's so many different types of experiences that you have to take account for to make sure that your user feels like, oh yeah, this is so easy to browse. I understand everything. I feel like, you know, there's little things here and there makes me feel delighted. It can be really, you know, hard and challenging for some people who don't know exactly how to create that experiences to help their target audience to understand like how are you relevant how can you be trusted and also how can there be potential um you know engagement together between the business and the audience down the road
0: i always think having a really well-designed website shows that you value your audience's time like you don't want to make Mm. it difficult for them to find the stuff they need to find like it shows that you respect that they're not necessarily going to be spending hours and hours on your website they might come to your website just for one thing to find one thing or buy one thing they don't want to be going through pages and pages and pages having a really efficient well-designed website shows that you value your audience's time if they want to spend more time on the website they can and they can enjoy Mm -hmm. it but if they want to just drop in drop out really quickly I think that should be definitely something that's available there um you mentioned creating an experience with web with a website i think that's a good way of thinking about it because one things that we want to talk about today is the website web design it's not just about creating a pretty website like it's not Mm -hmm. just about the art behind it. it is about experience isn't it
1: yeah yeah i agree And coming in from, you know, graphic design myself, right? I love everything design. I mean, I truly do. It's just so exciting to see beautiful thing, you know, putting layout that aesthetically pleasing to the eyes. But over time, I come to also to realize that the function also need to be considered the experience and not just like, because you feel that this is so beautiful, it looks such an art. And it's the best creative way to present a brand online, but it's not usable, right? It's not really delivering that action step that your user really need to do on the website. So what's the point of having a beautiful website that your target audience actually have have hard time to just like go through and find information and actually engage with the online. So that defeats the purpose that defeats all the investment of time and money and resources that you put into it in order to gain either traction or conversion from it. Um, I do have, you know, a few different questions that I tend to ask myself, my clients, and even you know, throughout our project to discuss how do we best answer the user's questions so that by the time they get to the you know, homepage or sales page, whatever page that is that we're leading them to, they have the information they need and then they have the confidence they need in order to move forward, whatever that might be, right? Whatever the you know call to action or the guidance that we want to lead them onto, it needs to be very clear for them.
0: Yeah, because if, if you're a big household name like Apple or something, you can get away with a very nice, beautiful minimalist website where you don't present the information straight away because it's very rare you're going to get someone going on to apple.com who hasn't heard of apple and doesn't know what they do i'm Mm. sure there are other brands that fit into that category but for the vast majority of brands out there particularly in the b2b space that's becoming so so saturated these days people want to know straight away when they go onto your website
1: the information they
0: need so let's let's dig into those questions that websites need to answer like what what are the questions that Like, what is the first question that needs to be answered by a website when someone lands on it?
1: Yes. So the five questions, right? Before I get to that one, I do want to kind of stress it out. Like, yes, you can still have a beautiful website, though. However, think about the usability, right? Accessibility, the functionality. All of these need to work together in order to create the best experience for your user. So don't only focus in just the aesthetic, but also think about all the other pieces that need to You know, collaboratively work together in your design, in your website, the technology, the front end, everything else in between, interaction, whatnot, all of those need to come together collectively in order to deliver the best experience. Now, the five questions that I would hope, you know, every website would have the answer for their audience. Let's start with the number one. Number one is, what is this? Don't we all ask the same question whenever we go to a new website that we've never heard before, yet we stumble upon it and we scratch our head and trying to figure out, okay, I'm here, but what exactly is this? There are a few you know, websites out there that really makes me feel like I'm the dumb person because I get to their website and trying to like figure out, okay, what is it that you guys do? Okay, mm-hmm. what is it all about? I really hate it when one website made me feel that way. And we don't want to create that type of experience to our users, right? We really want them to feel that we know you, here's what you need to know. Let's guide them through the experience. So really answer the question, like, what is your website all about? What is your business? Do you have a USP statement? Or maybe you have a you know, a brand positioning statement that you could leverage for introducing who you are in the top section of your website. Maybe it's on your hero, right? So for those of you who don't know what a hero on a website is, it's that big portion of the website above the fold. So really, you know, you're really trying to get people understand in a very few seconds, what is this website all about? So before I get to the question number two, Will, do you have any follow-up question?
0: I was going to say, um, as a, as a copywriter as well i'm gonna make it make the the statement that you the usp or your brand purpose it needs to be easy to understand like it needs to be yeah. something that actually makes sense to your audience like you get so many companies putting out these really high-minded brand purposes that don't really yeah. tell you much about what the company does like maybe you've got all these lofty goals behind like what Your company could do for people but that's not what people are going to the website to find out they don't want to know about the philosophical underpinnings of your like project management software or something they want to know is this project management software gonna help me manage my project better Mm -hmm. at the end of the day um so i think yeah simple and plain language when it comes to those things and of course making it easy and visible on the page um what happens if you don't have those kinds of clear brand purposes oh besides people not knowing what you do and you say you get angry about is that do you think that's something that's quite common with people across the board i know particularly in like the b2b space people need information quick and easy because they'll be going through lots and lots of different options so that's got to be something to consider as well
1: yes uh man i heard that question all the time right can we get away with you know some of this language or can we just like you know hide it a little bit until they get to the bottom of the page like well imagine if this is you and you just really you know, and let's just say that you're in a rush, right? You just really need to know like whether or not this is going to be the answer for your challenges or, um, you know, issues right now. You just want something to be straightforward. Like what you said earlier, if you don't help address that answer for your target audience, the chances are is that they're not going to come back to you And even worse, they're probably just already forget about you and you're not going to get that second chance for them to come back and then reconsider that you could be potentially the solution they needed. Maybe you have a great product that's fantastic or even like great services that's even more amazing. But if you lose the trust in the very beginning and they have no idea if you are the right person for them. You already lost a chance, right? You already lost that sale. So it really is about like conversion at the end of the day. You want that conversion and slowly getting people to come to your website, really understanding who you are and how they can really get advantage of your particular brands or business, and then potentially leading them down the road from lead to customers and hopefully, you know, a loyal customer that will tell other people about you and become the a loyal customer for you.
0: Exactly, exactly. So question one, it seems like a very, very basic natural question to be asking, but it is the foundation of everything that the website should be about. So what is question two that should be answered by a website?
1: Yes. Question number two, how does it work? we all know how the typical subscription model work or even, you know, a typical e-commerce website work. But sometimes you may have slightly different process. And if you do, it's really good to share with your audience in terms of like some of those process, right? Sometimes we work with clients who have different types of e-commerce. So, we would try to really incorporate that messaging into the homepage so that they understand how to tell that to their customers, right? This is really about setting expectation. Everybody will ask you at you know some point in their life, like, okay, I, I know that you guys do, um, let's just say membership or even a subscription or just like a typical e-commerce or B2B um, you know, plans and stuff like that, but how does it really work? People still have that question in their mind simply because they want to feel prepared, In terms of like, what would be the things that they need to be expecting from you or like things that they feel like they need to, you know, evaluate from themselves, right? Am I ready for this process? So it doesn't matter whether you have a B2B or B2C or even direct-to-consumer even, you need to share how does it work. Maybe it's pretty simple, but it's really is for the target audience, right? It's for the users that they feel prepared to see what's coming, so that's essentially the question number two.
0: I, I would say, like, it's not just about the users, though, particularly in B2B, Um, hmm. this kind of information. Like, it also needs to be understandable to people who might not be using those tools eventually, because B2B buyers, like people going out doing the research for MarTech and stuff, they might not be the, the end users. So. Yeah. You need to sort talk of like that surface level understanding, and then access mm-hmm. to more depth for the people who are the experts on that product category. Like if you're looking at content marketing tools, for example, you might not be a content marketer who's looking at that website. It might be yeah. the CTO of the company or something like that who's looking into it. He needs mm-hmm. to know it's great for content marketers, and then he'll be able to say, "Oh, this looks good for you." He'll pass it along to an expert, and then mm-hmm. they'll be able to say ah, yeah, this is great. Look at all this stuff that does, this does for us. So having a sort of balance between surface level understanding and access to that more depth, I think is very important.
1: Oh, I like that. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I feel like you really kind of laid it out for people who are coming to your website as the entry-level person who will be introducing the solution to somebody else in their either network or in their organization right so having that information is very helpful because then they know how to prepare themselves to tell the information to the other person who might be making the final decision
0: and and this information as well is is it just going to be written down or are there other or should we be presenting like multimedia ways to explore these these processes
1: I would say, you know, writing it down in the most simple way is going to be the best way to do so. If you have a very extensive, you know, long copy format type of how does it work information, I would chunk it down, right? In terms of like, create maybe like, let's say one three step or something like that. That's the easiest way to do it and create a top headline from those three steps. You don't want to overwhelm your people. That's definitely for sure. And nobody's going to read a very long length of like, how does it work section? So make it, you know, exciting to see makes it really, um, you know, I would would maybe more say to make it more snackable in a way that is a lot more digestible rather than having, you know, big paragraph, you can maybe like create three columns or actually maybe rather than three columns, you can also do three rows depending on how you see it fit but have an icon that could work or maybe some images, right? That kind of convey like how you typically work uh, or maybe like a snapshot from the product that you have and then just simple headlines for each of those steps.
0: Great stuff, great stuff. So what's what's next? So we know what the website is, we know how the product works, where next uh, are users most likely to be looking?
1: Okay, the next one, number three, can I trust the brand, right? What social proof do you have? I feel like myself personally, I'm relying a lot from, you know, reviews. I want to hear what people are saying about this, like what their experiences are, but that's not the only social proof that you can leverage. You can leverage certification if you have some of those, right? Or even press. So whatever type of social proof that you may have, you can distribute those on your homepage. And looking at your target audience specifically you probably already have your you know buyer persona or user persona you probably already have the understanding around what influences their decision in order to move forward with us what do they need to know do they rely on you know our certification that we're the best in the you know in the industry or something like that or is it the testimonial or is it that we are known we are being seen on different press Is that it? So I think finding the balance in terms of like which social proof do you really need to convey on your website will be important because that is the piece that they're gonna want to see in order for them to feel like, oh yeah, the these people are, you know, are on let's just say entrepreneur or like inc.com or forbes or whatever it is. That gives them the feeling that they can really trust you right away, even though they just met you, right? They just got to your website, but they feel like Somebody else is backing up that social proof for you,
0: because that that's information that they will go look for most of the time. Mm-hmm. People will go and ask; uh, they'll they'll do some searches for reviews elsewhere. They'll ask people they know about it. So by having that information already available on the website, you're again valuing their time as well. You're not making it a big complicated process for people to find out this information. And also allows you to curate it a little bit as well. Like, of course, you don't want to be lying about the social proof that you're putting up there, but of course, you can focus on the positive mainly by by having that information available on the website yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree, and also thinking about reviews, right? Sometimes it's really appealing to have, you know, all five stars reviews, but really, are you really having all four, you know, five star reviews? I think it would be more human you know, to really include some of those bad reviews that you have gotten. And that's okay. Probably there's only like, I don't know, one out of 100 people that gives you a one-star review, right? But to really show that you hear everybody's thoughts and feedback, that's where I feel like create the most trust as well. And not just, you know, campaigning like, yeah, we always have, you know, five-star reviews. Like, really? Is there really one solution? Is that perfect? I doubt it, though.
0: Yeah, it it kind of breaks your suspension of disbelief if you see it's just all five stars. Like if anything, you start looking for the cracks there. Um, And I guess as well, like putting those more negative reviews up there can be really effective if it's a problem that you've resolved as well. And if you can show evidence that you resolved that problem for someone because you're showing straight away that you have great customer service and you listen to customer feedback just by having it as part of your testimonials and part of your social proof.
1: Mm -hmm. I like that you added that. Um, So the next question if it's okay for us to move yeah, to the next yeah, that's one. It. That's it. Uh, number four, where do I go next, right? And this is your call to action. And oftentimes I would see so many different types of call to action in one page. And that gets me really confused because I'm really confused in terms of like, where do you want me to go? Sure. There's so many things to offer. There's so many things that you want to say to me, but at the end of the day, where do you want me to go? Like, where are you leading me down the path that you design for me? So let's think about it. What would be your primary call to action on your page, on your sales page, or on whatever page that you're currently designing, right? What is that one primary call to action? And that is the one call to action that you want your user to take on that page. Yes, you can add secondary you know, call to action or links and stuff like that. But try your best not to make that super obvious or like too prominent because that will take away their attention because you want them to focus on that one call to action. Where do they need to go next? Whether it's to buy now or signed up now or maybe like book a call now, whatever that might be, right? Guide them towards that call to action throughout the page. And here's another tip too. You don't have to create a call to action on every single section. That's just like way too much. Like, okay, book now, book now, book now. It's like, whoa, that's too much. But wherever you see fit, right? Remind them, hey, here's call to action. Maybe after a few sections, you introduce the same call to action. And that kind of gives a really nice pace for them to understand what you do. You know, how does it work? The social proof and they have a time to breathe and think about it. And when they're ready, you're reminding them, what's the next step look like?
0: I feel like this is the question that can get most tangled up in people having assumptions about their audience and assuming that things are easy and assuming that it's obvious where to go next. And I think you need to really take a step back and think about, I know nothing about this brand. I know nothing about the products you sell. I've only just discovered this website. Yeah. where do I go next is the is the way to think about it like, um, too often you can slip into a trap of thinking like oh I know where I'm going on the website surely the users know where to go on the website you've been part of the architecture of that website of course you know where to yes. go like, you need to take a step back or even test it with people who aren't familiar with it um, I'm a big fan of heat mapping when it mm-hmm. looks at, um, at looking at like where to position call to actions and how to position call to actions is that something you advise people to look into when it comes to this
1: Yes, definitely. I think, you know, tools like heat mapping or even like, you know, user testing, it really helps just to kind of understand like, what's the behavior of our user on specific screens or specific pages on the website, right? Because you constantly want to improve upon that. So designing one page design is not the end of it all. You're constantly improving and reiterating and things like that. And without understanding like, what do they do or what section do they you know, stop and pause or click the most, you're not going to get that insights to improve upon your design. So yes, love the heat map as well, by the way. But also really looking at how are you designing your own content structure? Now, a lot of the designers out there, especially the digital designers, UI designers and web designers, they all know everything and anything about visual hierarchy. But the big thing that I also start noticing is around, you know, the the flow of your content, whether you do the Z pattern or the F pattern, how are you redirecting or directing your users on the page towards which section they need to see first? So that's also important. But I felt like now I'm talking all things related to like nerdy like designery things stop me anytime will and we can move on
0: (laughs) no no i I was gonna say as well like that that idea of like the content flow and the content mapping it's not just important for user journey it's important for for seo as well for technical seo like in terms of like search bots crawling your site if you make it hard for a user to find the content it's going to be hard for the search bots to find that content as well like they might be able to do it in seconds but they'll still log it as a very poor rooted path and you're not going to rank highly on serps so it's not just good for the users it's good for your your technical side of things as well to think about this user
1: journey yes yes i agree with you on that part okay are you ready for the last question The last
0: question i can't believe we're on the last question already yeah let's do it let's do it
1: (laughs) question number five the last one what's next right think about post-purchase journey for your users oftentimes people would say yeah They're going to go to book a call or they're going to go buy, you know, the product and go to checkout. That's it. Are you sure? Are you sure there's no next step? So thinking about the full post-purchase journey, right? Or even like the full journey as a whole, like you have the beginning, you have the middle, and then you have the end. But what comes after that? If you truly want to create a loyal customer and slowly, you know, developing This list of people, you need to think about what's next for them. So perhaps you're really wanting them to, you know, sign up for your newsletter or maybe, you know, something else. What are those next steps for them? What can they expect out of you? For typical, let's just say, e commerce website, right? You'll have a follow up email letting you know, like, when the shipment's going to go out or when you're going to have the product coming to your door. But for others, too, like, let's say, like, B2B, there's just so much. Um, you know different ways and opportunities that you can do with this because you could loop them in into a very specific you know email nurturing system or even campaign where you introduce a lot of ways on how to use the product right or maybe things that your customers are finding um, you know important tips here and there by using the product so now you're sharing it with them to kind of use it a different way based on their needs so you're adding more value to them even after they already become um, your customer so you're adding more value and really hoping that a lot of these different campaigns will help nurture them to help your brand stay on top of their mind and also share with your audience and really become the loyal customers that we all want them to be uh,
0: i feel like this step is one that really lends itself to sort of personalization on the website that like you can really yeah. personalize people's relationship with your brand once you've got to that point point. There, um, whether it's in terms of like uh, the upselling that you present, whether it's a different content that you might provide as well in the post mm-hmm. uh, post purchase journey, like you can really tailor people's relationship with your brand and for like a long term in this kind of post purchase journey by tailoring towards them.
1: Yes, that's exactly it. And a lot of people feel that this is you know area that doesn't really feel you know worth to explore, right? They tend to overlook this, but this is really is the goal where you already have. You know, the conversion, what do you now do with this conversion, right? What's the next step to really, you know, nurture them towards where you want them to be, whether it's to be, you know, more loyal customers, maybe they're going to become, you know, your brand ambassadors, whatever that might be. I think it's definitely worth looking into and, you know, prepared for so that at least when they are done looking at all the things that you have on your website or even like go to the call to action that you want them to do they are prepared for what's next and you know exactly what's the results going to be for that particular engagement.
0: And I think that's going to be more and more more, and more important moving forwards in the near future, especially with the economy, the way it is, customer retention is going to be so important. So that post-purchase user journey is going to be absolutely essential to get keep people coming back. It's one of those, one of those oldest rules of business, isn't it? That it's a lot cheaper to retain a customer than it is yes. to acquire new ones. And this is when you can really start to exploit that in that sort of post-purchase journey.
1: Oh, I 100% agree with you on that one. But hey, I'm out of questions for <laughs> things that a website needs to answer.
0: But that's not the end though. Once you've answered those questions you can't just sit back and say, oh, my website's done. My website's perfect. No. Like, you have to keep reiterating. <laughs> you have to keep testing. You have to keep trying new things. Yeah, A, B, testing different approaches, heat mapping it as well. Like, What other things should you be thinking about in terms of maintaining this good quality website?
1: The review is definitely a big part, right? And the testing, oftentimes we feel like, yeah, we're done, we're launching it. And then, you know, we get some feedback or things like that. I felt like this is a really big opportunity for, you know, the design the marketing team as well as the dev team to kind of figure out how can we make things better based on the feedback that we've gotten and looking at tools that you mentioned earlier, like heat mapping, or even like maybe using a user testing tool or research and stuff like that as well, it can really help you think about maybe some ways that you didn't you know, see before, right? A lot of these different things, in my opinion, opens up different opportunities. And when you hear specific feedback from your customers, it lights up that idea. It's like, hey, how about we actually do this? And that's when you do this A-B testing, right? To just really prove whether or not that hypotheses are correct. And if, if there's any other you know, solution that we could include in the next iteration of the web page. So it's really important, in my opinion, to not stop at, you know, at the launch, but continue on in terms of like really looking at areas to improve as well as hearing from your audience, like really take into an account what they have been saying to you. If they say to you, like, it's really hard for me to find X, Y, and Z section on the page, like, why is that? If you feel as a designer or you know, as a marketing person or even like the person owning this project, no, it's right there. Why don't you see that? Try to understand it from their perspective too. Maybe it's because of accessibility, right? Perhaps they have a um, specific thing that prohibit them to access those. Can we take that into an account as well so that there will be more alternatives for people accessing that specific section of the page?
0: When it comes to sort of Reiterating and testing and reviewing, is there a certain time? I'm, I'm sure this will vary depending on industry, but is there like a sort of time scale that you'd recommend? Of course, you don't want to be changing your website every single day, of course, based on every little detail <laughs> that comes through. So, is there sort of like a recommended time scale that you should let a website in its current form run so you can start getting some valuable data from it to decide what yes. to do next with
1: it? You know, every day seems so excessive right <laughs> uh, unless you're like really obsessed with your website go for it but I don't recommend that what I would do you know definitely took at the time to review it once a month just to kind of see okay what some of the feedback that we can gather things like that and every three months also looking at as a whole what has the website been delivering in the past quarter right what could potentially be better it doesn't necessarily have to, you know, result in a big redesign. It could be just like tweak changes here and there, maybe just like modifying, I don't know, call to action button, um, sorry, typography or sorry, um, the messaging or things like that. Or maybe honestly uh more about restructuring some of the section. Perhaps one section needs to be on the top and the other one needs to be on the bottom based on your findings. So It doesn't have to be a big redesign project, but it still could really help, you know, addressing some of the feedback that you've gotten from your users.
0: Great stuff. Thank you very much, Ari. Um, Let's run through the five questions again, just to tie everything together to remind people what they are. So question one, what was that?
1: Number one, what is this? Number two, how does it work? Number three, can I trust this brand? Number four, where do I go next? Number five, what's next? And this is the post-purchase journey for your users.
0: Excellent. Thank you very much, Ari. It's been a very, very fruitful conversation. I think um, there's a lot to cover when it comes to website design, but I think you've distilled it nicely into those five questions. So hopefully that's going to be helpful to our audience as well, but I'm sure it will be helpful. I'm sure they'll appreciate it. And I (laughs) want to thank them for for joining us today Um, and thank you Ari once again for joining me uh, on CMO Combo I hope you've enjoyed the conversations which I have Um, we'll be back soon with some more CMO Combos
1: thank you Will
0: like what you heard from this CMO Combo make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a rating so the whole world knows how great it was